Hello and welcome to another episode of Shooting Breezes, a podcast where we discuss world news, what issues have been keeping us up at night, and ask the question, what's dead and buried but needs to make a comeback? I'm Brad. And I'm Jackie. It is the 11th of August. And Brad, I believe you have a question for me. I do have a question for you, Jackie. Okay, so say you are back in ancient Rome. You find yourself back in ancient Rome. Yes. You're inside the Colosseum in a tunnel and you're getting pushed out there. You don't know what you're about to fight, but you get to take one weapon with you. What weapon do you choose? Mm, okay. I'm getting nervous just thinking about it, actually. <laughs> um, okay, so here's my what I would fear, which is getting the biggest, baddest sword axe the ball with the spikes coming out of it and thinking that's a good idea but then if I'm lucky enough to get a strike in and actually get the weapon up down into an opponent and into some flesh I would worry about being able to pull it out oh you think you'd get stuck in in a bone that's my fear and there could be multiple assailants. And what do you do? You, yeah, and then your I'm whole weapon's without. gone. It's a one strike thing. It's like a bee. And do you, <laughs> those things are pretty heavy. You think you could swing it around enough that you can, I don't know, get past someone's guard and, you know, kill them? The first no, I don't, I don't think that. I don't think I have the skills. So I don't think to that's do that. probably your weapon that you should no. be taking out there. How about, how about just thinking about Gladiator? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I got, got the question from. I was thinking of Gladiator. I mean, it's the reference point. Yeah. Uh, how about a shield? <laughs> because. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. A shield. Yep. I'm thinking Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. He goes out. I think it's the first or the second battle. He's got one arm chained to another dude and he's got the shield in the other arm. Yeah. And he's using it. He's parrying. He's blocking. And he's also using the shield edge. The sharp shield edge. As a weapon, as, as a, a makeshift weapon. weapon. Okay. And I think knowing my skill set in this in this area, defense is probably the best way to go. So are you going to defend until they get too tired and fall over and then you're going to whack them with the side of the shield? Is that how you envision this going? Not, not defending for minutes until they get tired. I think defending, defending, and then bam. That's, up in the neck. <laughs> you find your moment and yeah. you, you strike. Yes. Okay. Yep. That I like would be it. my strategy. I don't know how well it's going to go for you. Like, what say you, you go out there and then there's a tiger there? Do you think the shield will help you with the tiger? Absolutely. Because it's defending me from the tiger's jaws. Sharp, sharp claws and jaws. Yeah. Okay. I'll pay whereas, it. Whereas if I took a sword, what are the chances of me? Giving the tiger a kill shot, very, very low. No, and particularly if you came up against a gladiator with some skill. Exactly. I, I mean, let's be honest, I am the fodder in the Colosseum. <laughs> I, I did There's say no any way weapon. You could have taken like an AK-47 out or, or something. Well, that's, that's just cheating. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Shield, got it. Yep. Uh, I've got a question for you. What's your question, Jack? Funnily enough, my question is also movie related. My question is... If Jurassic Park was real and it opened next week, next month, mm-hmm. would you visit? Oh, of course I'd go. Oh, I love dinosaurs. I wish I could travel back in time and actually see what they were like and what they looked like. Um, ride one if I could. Uh, to specify on your, your question, 
do I have to go in like opening weekend or can I, you know, give them six months to a year just to sort out all the teething issues? No, it's opening weekend. It, it Maybe even you're viewing the park before it opens, <laughs> a la the first movie. Um, and you say it as if it's the obvious answer, but understand that there's a 40% chance that you will die. No, I think it's like an 85% chance that I'm going to die. If it's the opening weekend, I thought the question was like, if I could go anytime, like I'm going to, I'm not going to go opening weekend because I've seen the movies and I know exactly what's going to happen. They don't have their shit together just yet. It's going to take them a few days. Um, so yeah, definitely I'm going to say no to opening weekend. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be the fodder for the dinosaurs and I'm not going to be like their testing animal. I'm going to go a year later once it's already so open. How, so, so how long would you like them to be operating before you'd feel I think, comfortable enough to I think a year's go? a good, a, a year's, year. year's a good mark. Yeah. But you know, they're, you know, they're bleeding money too. So, you know, they're probably not going to stay open for a whole year. Dinosaurs. Oh, if they came back with dinosaurs right now, they would make so much money. They're not... They're not going to lose money on that. They will have tourists. Like maybe, oh, maybe for the, not for the first year though. Exactly. Maybe everyone's going to have the same idea as me, and they're like, "Oh, we'll wait for everyone else to exactly. go first. Exactly. Meanwhile, they're shelling out millions for these fenced-in enclosures that will ultimately fail them. It's okay. It's probably going to be Elon Musk or someone else that's a billionaire that's funding it, or well, I don't know. So you'd wait a year, then go. That that would be my answer. I wouldn't go going. open weekend. I'm going to say no to the free tickets for opening weekend. Okay. Wise. What has piqued your interest this week, Brad? Okay, um, so a few things. I think I'm going to um, give a couple honourable mentions out there. Mm-hmm. Firstly, uh, I was nearly going to go with this one because I just read it before and I was pretty, um, I don't know, excited by the prospect of it. But like around about the year 600 or 500, they're not quite sure, uh, archaeologists found a skeleton that had the, the, the guy, he was a warrior. Wait a minute, um, wait a minute. They had archaeologists in sixteen in six hundred. <laughs> Sorry, uh, there was an archaeologist today right. that discovered a skeleton oh, gotcha. from the year five or six hundred. Okay. Anyway, this guy had, was a warrior. Uh, he had an arm amputated and he had it replaced with a blade. No. <laughs> yeah, cool as that. <laughs> so you would have had this guy. How up. do they know that? Because the blade was still there. The blade survived, and you know. The How skull- were they attaching a blade in six hundred? I don't like the the article said that he must have been like um, a pretty respected person to get that kind of attention. Um, <laughs> Only most, the good warriors get yeah, blades for arms. He must have done something for the community. I think. Anyway, that was that was an honourable mention. Mm-hmm. And the second one was someone that came to me on Twitter and um, you know nominated a couple ideas, and they are. Uh, the Night Shift at Night uh, is a podcast on paranormal activity. Nice. Um, and they recommended talking about the earthquakes at Yellowstone. Um, I don't oh, know if you yeah. know about Yellowstone, but there's like the world's biggest super volcano there. Mm. And they say that one day an earthquake's going to come along. It's going to set it off and it's going to be like an end of humankind event. It's going to be that annihilation. Big. Yeah, exactly. Um, and apparently there's been a lot of earthquakes around there, like something like 130 um, and one of the biggest ones in 30 years. Uh, but the reason that's not what I'm going to talk about today is because scientists are pretty much unanimously saying that there's nothing to worry about. Uh, these earthquakes aren't big enough. Um, the, the real big one's probably not going to happen for tens of thousands of years. So okay. just thought I'd include that in case people are worrying out there that the world is going to end. But it's not. We're, we're safe. Okay. Just as long as we trust all the scientists. Yeah, and I do. I okay. Do. 
Excellent. Yeah, so the new story I'm going to choose is basically the escalating tensions between the United States of America and Turkey. Uh, do you know much about this? No, so this is one of those stories that's just passed me by and I've seen all the headlines, but I haven't kind of read any further. So tell me about it. Well, I, I think I'm the same as you. I, I've, I've seen the headlines and I've only actually looked into it a little bit the last couple of days, mm. uh, but it is getting really interesting. So just a little bit of background. You remember, I think it was the 2016 attempted coup there to overthrow the president? Yes. Uh, so that happened and then they locked up, um, you know, about 60 people and they were all going to get killed and the, the opposition yeah yes yeah like yeah. The, the people that were attempting the coup mm-hmm. anyway one of the people that turkey blames is uh, a pastor from the united states ah. um he's been in prison for about 18 months mm-hmm. about a month ago uh trump said um that he wants this guy released um and he threatened turkey with further sanctions there's already some sanctions on turkey okay like they were in negotiations, but Turkey kept asking for more and more things. And then uh, you get what happened last night was Trump put out a Twitter statement saying that he's doubling the current tariffs on steel and um, aluminium imports. Okay. Um, Bold negotiating Yeah, yeah. Tactic. I mean, it's, it's typical Trump, isn't it? That's mm. that's how he negotiates. Yep. He, if it doesn't go exactly his way, he'll yep. give you more sanctions and he'll increase the tariffs. And I guess you've seen that with China and Iran yes. um, and actually more recently Russia. Yes. And no doubt surprising a number of his staff and the State Department at the same time. Probably. I don't know how much he would have talked things through. Mm. But anyway, so he's um, increased the the tariffs there and it's kind of just added further fire to what has been Turkey's terrible economic situation for the last year. Mm -hmm. So their currency is pretty much at an all-time low right now. Mm -hmm. It's gone down about 40% if you look at it compared to the US dollar just this year alone. And it went down a further 20% last night after this statement. Right. I think Trump's tweet uh, actually had the desired effect, like it's really squeezing Turkey right now. Yeah, for sure. But the president over there is very like Trump, like he's very strong-minded. He's, mm-hmm. He doesn't back down very easily. Yeah. He's very autocratic and he he's not the kind of that would easily like give in to Trump sure. and Trump's not going to easily give in to him either. Or perhaps he wouldn't be the one that would respond well to that tactic. Yeah, exactly. And he, and that's um, what he's come out with since. He's just um, saying that he's blaming America for a bunch of things and asking his own citizens to buy the lira, which I think is the Turkish currency, though that hasn't helped and it's, it's gone down a further 20%, about 24 hours. And so I guess the ball's kind of in his court at the moment, mm-hmm. um, whether he's going to release the US pastor, but it doesn't probably seem like he's the kind of guy that would give in, particularly after Trump has called him out. Mm. And I, I'm, the, I'm the first critic of Donald Trump, but I think this is probably the time to do it if he was going to increase tariffs and so on. And, and, and you know, he, he's been very quick to do it with China mm-hmm. and Iran. And mm-hmm. I don't think he did that probably the best way he could have done it. Uh, sure. um, I think he might have done it for the wrong reasons. Uh, but Turkey... I don't know, they don't, they're probably not the best ally to the United States mm. or to their NATO partners and other yep. people. I guess they, they really blur the lines and they get away with everything that they can get away with sure. and they support regimes like Iran, they support groups. So I should say allegedly, <laughs> they allegedly, allegedly support groups fighting in Syria mm-hmm. um, that aren't, you know, the, the best kind of people. So, you know, I'm not completely against this. I don't, what, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it sounds it sounds like a good a good tactic. I agree with you. If Turkey's not coming to the table 
on this issue and it's clearly of importance to America, this one US citizen. America has every prerogative and right to use their economic power to their advantage in this in these negotiations. Yeah, it's exactly it's like Trump's go to. He he has a power. He knows that you know the US economy is so big and mm. it can affect other yeah, other countries the, the way it does. It's a powerful country, you know, for many reasons and I don't have a problem with them acting like it. And you know what? It's better him actually using this tool than his other go-to tool, which is nuclear weapons and complete annihilation and, you know, wrath like mm. few have ever witnessed before. Um, so, and, and you know what? He... He actually said, if you don't release them, this is what we're going to do. Like a month yeah, ago, he warning. said, uh, if you don't do this, we'll increase mm-hmm. tariffs. So actually, I, I, don't, I don't mind this. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that I support Trump in this move. I don't support mm. him in many other moves, but it'll be like, I, I kind of wanted to discuss this because it's kind of right in the middle of the yeah, story. Sure. Um, so we don't know how it's going to We don't know how it's going to happen. Uh, Turkey's economy is like really going down at the moment mm. um there's gonna be a lot of flow and effects with that you know they're the squid they're getting squeezed right now it'll be interesting yep. to see how the turkish president sort of handles this and how they move forward and whether he mm. releases this uh this pasta uh, and whether that solves the problem and and what happens next so so if you find this sort of news interesting then you know keep an ear out and, and see what goes happens Absolutely. Next. so in one sense he's getting the you know not many autocratic style leaders would like to show weakness and back down. Exactly. But at the same time, the pressure is building from the ground in terms of if their economy is failing, then the masses are also upset. Yeah, and I guess, you know, then you look into the possibilities, what might happen, and, you know, increasing tariffs and and putting sanctions on other countries, the desired effect is either they will give in to what you want, Mm -hmm. or if not, the people there that are also getting squeezed will overthrow the current regime and and elect another one that will um, be more aligned with what you're trying to, you know, Mm. get. Uh, So that is possibly what might happen. Uh, The current president there might get overthrown. Also, what's quite interesting, because, like, the people that this affects, it's not so much the president. He he's you know probably a billionaire himself. It's the the little people. It's the people that have sure. loans, and a lot yep. of Turkish people have loans in US dollars. Yeah, okay. um, and inflation has skyrocketed there, mm. so they've got these loans that they they just can't pay back. And yep. and now the the divide between the lira and the United States dollar is just growing. And and what the lira is worth now is you know, a fraction of what it was. Mm. So they're not going to be able to pay these loans back. So, yeah, the people that are getting hit are the, the you know, everyday people there. And they're the ones that I guess could ri- rise up yeah, and they'll overthrow. Get less, they'll get more and more vocal, I should say. Every autocratic leader fears the masses in that sense, I think. Exactly. Um, but what's also interesting about this is um, the news over there hasn't been broadcasting this news story very much. And that's basically because a lot of the news over there is state run. Yeah, sure. So it, it'll be interesting how, you know, this trickles through the population and, and what they do as well. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching the story as it kind of unfolds and mm. it'll be an interesting one. An interesting play and demonstration of hard power from President Trump. Yeah, see how it works for him. The, the, the annoying thing is is if it does work, and I think I feel like this could work for him, it kind of vindicates everything that else he's doing. Mm. Like he'll, he'll come away from this knowing that, you know, he did the right thing and this vindicates what he's doing with China and, and uh, Iran and that he's right this whole time when very different sort of examples of very different stories. And Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Some, so, the same toolbox should not be used, you know, sure. every, everywhere you go. And maybe a win in Turkey will em- embolden him in other yeah, parts Yeah, exactly. Of the world. Yeah. So watch out. Interesting. Good one. Jackie, what news is interesting for you? My news story is about something that happened last week on the 4th in Venezuela. Okay. 
So leaving Turkey and Europe and heading south to South America and Venezuela, uh, what happened last week on the 4th was a suspected assassination attempt on the Venezuelan president. Um, His name is Nicolas Maduro. And the reason why it's interesting was the nature of the attempt. What did they do? So they used or allegedly used two drones Two drones. Two drones carrying explosives. So these two drones detonated close to the president while he was giving a speech at a military parade. Okay. And this military parade was being broadcast live. So there's a bit of video footage around. Oh, cool. Does it it show the attack or? It it shows some things. So from the video footage, we can see, for example, the president and the people on stage at one point during his speech looking up. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, looking at the drones, I assume. So, yeah, so a lot of people have uh, drawn the conclusion that the drone kind of flew over them at that point. Before you, you go on, mm. I don't know if you know the answer, but I assume when you say drone, it's like the, I don't know, drones anyone can buy. They're not, you know, phantom raptors that can kill people from a the, mile away. It's like something you can pick up in Kmart or something. Like a hobby drone. Yeah. I did see the make and model, but I didn't get a sense of whether it was they did. They did look like hobby drones, like the four yeah, little rotors. Yeah, imagine, I imagine that's what it is. The four little rotors and the and the bit in the middle. That um, the fact that it is a make and a model would lead exactly. you to assume that yeah. it's a hobby. No, you're drone. right there. And um, from the footage, there that looked like along with the explosives, which were strapped kind of on the middle bit, was a GoPro. Oh, wicked. Okay. So somewhere around, hopefully there's GoPro footage that got downloaded to some. That would be really cool. <laughs> to actually. somebody's laptop and maybe in 50 years that will come out. Um, so back to what happened. So the president and the people on stage looked up mm-hmm. um, and we saw that in the video footage. Then there was one explosion close to the president and you see all these bodyguards kind of reacting and surrounding him and putting up these kind of flak blankets. Doing uh, their job, okay. Exactly. And then later, sometime later, there's a second explosion which turned out to be a few blocks away and some people have said that that drone crashed into a building and exploded prematurely or So wait, which, which bomb went off first, the one that uh, was closer to Very the president? Very close to the president, yes. And then so the second drone, was that a backup in case the first one failed? We don't know. These right. are, so there's a lot of mystery about about the entire thing and for a couple of reasons which I'll go into as we go along. But the explosion, the second explosion is what really, it seemed to be a lot bigger and it caused so, uh, all the parade watchers and all the military people in line to start fleeing. So there's this footage of people just running in all types of directions. Yep. I should say the president remains unharmed, so President Maduro is fine. Okay, well, I mean... I'd- I don't think he's the best president <laughs> Venezuela could hope mm, for. Okay, yeah. So there's not that I'm so, advocating his assassination. So similar to what you're talking about in Turkey, um, there's been a huge crackdown after this. There's restrictions on media, so similarly, not a lot of free media. So footage was hard to ob- obtain, mm. despite it being broadcast live at the wow, time. Okay. So when the explosions happened, they cut away to a soldier's face. <laughs> So like, all you could see was this kind of confused soldier. Um, while explosions were happening while around it was him. happening, while this alleged assassination attempt was happening. Um, so to to go into a bit of the context of, of Maduro and President Maduro and Venezuela and, and why potentially an assassination attempt was made. So Maduro, President Maduro was re-elected in May mm-hmm. and that was globally 
kind of seen as a bit of a farce election. Um, yeah, he was seen as an autocratic leader. A number of countries declared that they weren't recognising the, re- the results of this election, including Canada, mm-hmm. which I thought was surprising. Good guy Canada <laughs> says, no, 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 this is not how it goes. <laughs> um, so there was widespread allegations of electoral fraud. Uh, and there's one group that's actually claimed responsibility for this assassination attempt. Oh, which one? Um, they're a group called Soldiers in T-Shirts. I, I assume that's the English translation of their name. Okay. But despite the fact that they've claimed responsibility, President Maduro has cracked down and a number of arrests have occurred of prominent opposition leaders. So he's using this attempted assassination to potentially get rid of all of his enemies at the same time? Yes. So that's where there's a lot of scepticism around globally thinking, do they have any evidence whatsoever that the opposition, these opposition members were, were behind the it? Assassination, yeah. uh, probably not. Uh, he's also accused a former leader of Colombia as being tied to these as one of the plotters the plot of, thickens. This, this is- yes, of, this, <laughs> of this attempt. Uh, typically, I guess, the opposition has said that actually this attempt was staged yeah. by the president in order to legitimize his the subsequent these, actions um, in cracking down members. on the opposition. So it was quite a brutal crackdown on the opposition, I should say. But I'm not too sure about that either. If you actually do look at the footage and you kind of see that the president kind of looks up at this whatever's ahead of him and then the reaction of the bodyguards and the president when that first explosion goes. He doesn't look too staged. He looks, everyone's just looking confused, like super confused and surprised. Yeah, okay. Um, And I don't think that an autocratic leader would allow himself publicly broadcast to be, to to come across as that kind of as vulnerable sort of thing yeah vulnerable yes so i question whether that whether the president had anything to do no, with it, it it does sound more like he's using it as an opportunity to get rid of you know everyone that's all the opposition members um, rather than orchestrated himself. Yeah, potentially his thought was brilliant it's an assassination attempt that failed mm. the best kind Good, of assassination yes. attempt for him and may as well make the most of it what can we yeah, what can we do right, out of yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. What, what can we what get can out we... of it? You know, there's a lot of um, parallels here to your topic in Turkey, just as we're going through yeah, it. Yeah, because the Turkish president, also his election, I think, was either earlier this year or late last year, and it was very, um, I don't know, there's allegations that it was a very rigged election as well. Yes, a fraud. And similarly, Venezuela is in a huge economic crisis. Mm. Um, the economy has shrunk by 13%. They, they shrunk by 13% last year in 2017, they're suffering from super hyperinflation. Um, I think something ridiculous like prices are doubling every 25 days. Jesus Christ. Which is a huge. And there's this huge emigration movement of people fl- fleeing, essentially. Not fleeing, but leaving Venezuela. Getting the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and so this autocracy in this context, it's only really being supported by a couple of things, which is the oil revenue, so mm-hmm. there's huge oil in Venezuela, and the support of the armed forces. And um, President Maduro, in November, he handed control of the oil industry to a National Guard general who had no experience. <laughs> and not surprisingly, oil production fell dramatically. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, yeah, so potentially he's trying to shore up both 
the support of the armed forces, making sure that he keeps that. But also at the same time, he's sacrificing the other thing that's keeping him up in the main seat, which is the oil revenue. So I think if something doesn't change drastically in the next couple of months, he's looking in some real trouble. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure if we'll hear or get any more information out of this story. I think it's run its course. Uh, I hope we get that footage though. I, I'm looking forward to seeing the you know, GoPro, GoPro footage, footage of yeah. just his face as this drone <laughs> yeah. comes in with, I don't know what kind of detonation uh, explosives yeah. it had on it. but Yeah. But just, even if we don't, I think this has been a trigger event that might cause a bit of a cascade. Yeah, I mean, if he's arresting his opposition, um, it's definitely going to, yeah, yeah, something's going to happen afterwards. What I kind of want to talk about because of this is, because it's going to bring drones back into the spotlight. And initially when they, um, I think it was a few years ago when they really um, took off in the market, there was a lot of these kind of questions, you know, they can be used as a weapon. And I think this very scenario was debated. Oh, Um, was it? Yeah. I completely missed that debate. Yeah, um, the reason behind that and, and why it is so scary is, I mean, because a lot of people can make a bomb mm. um, and they can place that bomb anywhere mm-hmm. um, and that has the ability to kill a lot of people. But the reason, I guess, why suicide bombers are so much more effective than just random bombs is because they're kind of more of a smart bomb. You can, If you've got a bomb strapped to your chest, you can walk anywhere and you can, you'll, you can change your plan on the fly, walk to where the crowd is at its fullest um, and then detonate and get max casualties. Mm-hmm. And the drone does that same thing without actually killing the, the Kill bomber. Yeah, killing you the can, bomber. You can um, wing it as you go. If the president's not going to be exactly where he's going to be or your target's not going to be exactly where it's going to be, you have essentially what is a smart bomb that can change things on the fly and get max casualties. That's interesting because when I first read this story, I thought that it was a incredibly inaccurate way to try to assassinate someone because I was just thinking of the hobby, the hobby kind of drones, which I know having seen people in the park and other people fly them for the first time, it takes, you know, a lot of practice and a lot of skill to get a really good flyer, a drone flyer. It takes, yeah, some, but not more so than, I guess, um, a lot of other things. Like if you, if you want to go fly a plane into something, it's going to take you a lot more training than it is to get proficient in the use of a drone, which, you know, any kid could do really. True. But then if we're looking at a drone versus, you know, a lone gunman in the crowd, do you think the drone would have more accuracy? I mean, it, it kind of depends on the situation. Like drones have a radius where they can fly like 10 kilometres away. Yeah, um, true. And particularly when presidents give speeches, a lot of the people that are in the public, um, the Secret Service or whatever, the bodyguards have given mm. them a pat down or they've gone through yeah. some sort of security to be there. So what you can actually do with a drone is you can get it somewhere where you probably couldn't get a gunman. Yeah. Um, if you know someone's going to be, I don't know, in a hotel room on the fourth floor of a hotel, you can get a drone there a lot easier than you could get you know, a person with a gun or plant a bomb. So it's not like the be all and it's not going to change things drastically, but it does provide those that are wanting to harm others another tool that Mm. just gives them a lot of options and and ways to do things. And this might be the first of what I would imagine could be a lot of drone bombs. And And as the technology gets better and better, as more accurate, I imagine they will become if used in this manner. It, It goes to show I 
was so close-minded about drones in the beginning and I just had no appreciation for the kind of creative ways that it would be used. When drones first came out, I thought, oh, that's essentially a man's toy. Or I kind of lumped it in the category of hobby miniature planes. Yeah, but it's, it, and that's kind of the, the spirit that it's meant to be. Like it's meant to be a hobby. It's an enthusiast sort of yeah, but um, the, thing. The applications that we've seen recently, the whole idea of Amazon delivering packages via drones, now we've seen this uh, potentially uh, assassination attempt using drones. I think the applications are only just seem to be only just being kind of explored and who knows. Who knows what could happen next. And it cements why so many governments around the world are just kind of scrambling to get appropriate legislation about drones in public areas passed um, and looked at and considered. Yep. Yeah, just because the applications are potentially quite dangerous. Brad, tell me, what's been keeping you up at night this week? Okay, so... A friend of mine recommended one of the New York Times long read articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you were there when he recommended this and, yes. and it's basically on climate change mm-hmm. and it talks about how the world had an opportunity to pretty much stamp out climate change around the 60s and 70s, I think it was 1979, and they got really close. They basically um, they had all the sides of the government ready to sign this thing that would have actually lowered future emissions and, and keep the global warming at about 1.5 degrees, which um, that target's long gone now. I said it was a long read and it is. I'm I'm not finished yet. I'm only about a quarter of the way through. Mm -hmm. And it's not actually what I want to talk about. It's something that sort of came to my mind reading the earlier parts of of this article. And the article kind of starts talking about how um, like climate change and, and, and the global warming wasn't really understood in the early 60s okay. um, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of scientists that you know were starting to look into it and starting to realise that the earth was warming and they had come to the conclusion that it was warming because of human activity mm-hmm. and what we were mm-hmm. doing. Basically, you had this one politician that sort of started reading the, the scientific evidence and was like, why aren't we worried about this? Like, well, what's mm-hmm. going on? And then he basically like lobbied both sides of government and, and that's how it kind of started. That's kind of how he you know, got everyone aware of what was happening. But, you know, this article sort of talks about the reasons why it failed and it says the reasons why it didn't fail. Okay. Um, and one of those reasons was that it didn't fail was both Republicans and Democrats listened to the scientists, listened to what they had to say. They read the evidence mm-hmm. and then they pretty much unanimously agreed and said, okay, uh, uh, humans are causing global warming. Mm-hmm. You had the same with you know the heads of the fossil fuel industries. Uh, they conducted their own research and they came to the conclusion, well, humans are causing global warming. Did they really? <laughs> yeah. And this what was, a different time. And that's what I want to talk about is, is how time has changed and how easy it is now for so many people to completely disregard scientific evidence and what experts have to say on a matter and instead go with what they think and what their personal experience tells them. Yeah. I think it even goes further than that. They they fabricate, well, they don't fabricate, they find their own scientists who will come up with the opposite findings and often those findings are completely funded by the companies. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's a couple facets of, of this. And, mm-hmm. and if we're sticking with the sort of climate change um, one, you, you, yeah, you do, you, you get people that completely disregard science and scientific evidence. And those same people will often 
choose their own scientists and, mm-hmm. and these people will not have done peer-reviewed research papers mm-hmm. and they will cherry-pick their scientific findings and, mm-hmm. and their own statistics, which you know, 97% of the scientific community will outright say is is not correct and is mm-hmm. not the way it should be done. Uh, but you, you get these people that will, will basically cherry pick and um, choose what they want to choose. Um, and these people, like, they're not just normal people. Some of them are leaders of countries. And mm. personally, I kind of expect better of, of that kind of caliber person, mm. um, particularly when they have the, the way to influence so many others. Gosh, how naive you are, Brad. And when you get someone like Donald Trump who um, sort of denies climate change, it, it makes it easy for, you know, the citizens of America and other people that support him to deny other sort of scientific evidence. And then that leads to things like, you know, it's not just climate change, it's things like anti-vaxxers that mm. will deny, you know, a vast body of evidence uh, based on, stories that they read online and where I think there's there's one study that's often cited by anti-vaxxers that was completely debunked and denounced but it still exists this yeah. this study still exists and, I and think it's been from hundreds the 70s of studies 80s. hundreds of studies that prove that there is no link like well yes. I shouldn't say I should never say prove in science mm-hmm. and, and I guess that's another a facet that comes into it and, and why people can deny science. Uh, or deny what scientists say. And because in science, there is no proof. There's only a theory. And, and I guess that's the way that science works is they're constantly trying to disprove their own theory just right. to, to build it up. Yes. But you get people that don't really completely understand that. And then they say, well, you, you haven't proven anything yet. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's kind of a misunderstanding of the of the of way how, everything works. Yes. Yeah. And I wonder how much we can put blame or put the spotlight on how scientific journals operate and, and how peer-reviewed studies actually come about. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of pressure on scientists, first of all, to publish. And then, you know, you get all these uh, stories about how there's no actual review of the, of publishing before it's actually put out there. Mm-hmm. And then you get the, you have, and usually that wouldn't be so dangerous, but then you have fantastic tools like Google where you can ask a specific question and there may be 99,000 studies that prove the opposite or suggest the opposite. But if you specifically ask that question of Google, Google will find the one yeah, that answers you, that question the way one. you want and how dangerous that is for someone that's looking to become informed mm. and how, how that will cement in their mind something without knowing the full picture. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of leads into something else that I was thinking about. And I, I remember in psychology and sociology, um, they would you know, often talk about confirmation bias. Uh, they would talk about how humans and people just genuinely want, they want to feel good. They, they don't want to question their own sort of world view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that they want everything to make sense in the world really. Um, and when something comes along and isn't aligned with their worldview and, and how they see things, they are very quickly and, and they can very easily disregard that. Mm. And they, they just won't give that much weight. But when they see something that is aligned with their worldview and makes sense to them, they will take that and they will give that far more weight than the thing that doesn't. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, and that's and, how it works. You know, they'll, they'll read the one thing that aligns with them and they'll be like, well, you know what? 
this this is yeah this is exactly how I feel. Yes. This is this is what I this think. This is confirmed. Yeah, th- yes. yeah, this is confirmed, and you know, they'll read this nine has things. This my my opinion. The, the yes. way I see things, and they they can read nine things that say the opposite, um, and they'll be like, well, you know, I did read that one thing that mm. that said yeah. So obviously the research is bad in these other ones, or obviously it's some sort of conspiracy. Mm. Um, and the other way they they might go about it is I've had this personal experience, mm. um, so regardless of whether that personal experience was a one-off or there was, you know, a hundred complicating factors that might've, might've led to a particular outcome mm. because they've had this experience or because they've known someone that has that experience, yeah. they will give that a hundred times more weight than some sort of peer reviewed article by some sort of yes. scientist, nerdy guy that, um, <laughs> we love scientists. They're not all nerdy. No, but no, no, I get I that, but like I'm, from, from their sort of perspective. And, and I think that's human nature though. Isn't it more, isn't it human nature to identify more with human stories and personal stories yeah, than, it is. than, you know, a, hundred, a blind study of a hundred people that you don't know anything about. No, definitely. But I, I was just trying to sort of give a reason why this, I think this yeah. kind of exists and, and why this sort of denial of science exists. Mm. Um, whereas me, like, I don't know, uh, I feel like what I don't understand, um, I'm, I'm more than happy just to have an expert tell me how it goes or like what is what. I don't think I could ever argue with it with someone that has spent their whole life studying that and researching that and spent time with their other scientists um, and come to the conclusion and then for me to be like yeah well my sister had you know <laughs> this kid that was a bit loopy after a vaccination yeah. um, so screw what you guys are saying I'm not vaccinating my kid and to the point where they're willing to put their own children at risk and put other children at risk. Mm. Um, you you got to wonder, like, just how strong of a feeling that is to disregard all that um, evidence that exists. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I will say uh, that the, the the other facet of this is you know how religion sort of comes into it as well, mm-hmm. um, and how you have people that will outright deny the extensive body of evidence that says that evolution is is pretty much how we all got here. Um, and there are bones that we can figure out that are, you know, hundreds of million years old that belong to dinosaurs. Um, yet these people that, you know, are religious and have faith will just outright say, this is a conspiracy that doesn't exist. You guys don't know what you're talking about because, you know, I've read the Bible and I mm-hmm. understand that mm. this is how I got here. And I, I find that fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, and what's further fascinating is when people of you know of faith, it's not not always black and white. People of faith all often incorporate science into their life as well. There's there's room for both in a lot of people's lives. And seeing where people kind of land on the spectrum, um, and kind of operate where they say, well, I don't see faith and science as opposite. Holes. Mm. I, I see them as complementary in another way. It's fascinating, right? Anyway, I just I just want to talk about it. I think I think it's very dangerous. I don't think it's sending us down the right path. Um, I think that's my new story. Jackie, what's been dead and buried but needs to make a comeback? Okay, I'm excited about this comeback. Me too. I, I don't know what it is yet, but I can I can see it in your face. I'm You're very pretty excited. excited. What needs to come back is being able to purchase and eat westernized Asian food specifically Chinese food, mm-hmm. without shame. Okay. Go on. What kind of shame are you talking about? Okay. Well, let me set the scene. Right. Okay. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me reel it all the way back to when Chinese immigrants were coming to places like America and Australia. Mm-hmm. First time they immigrated. They couldn't own land. 
in a lot of instances. So they turned to other ways to make a living and make money. One of them was operating restaurants, right? Yep. So classic Chinese, Chinese restaurant, restaurant opens. Yep. Often they were home-taught cooks and in order to attract the most personage, they adapted to Western tastes, mm. right? Clever. So the result. That's entrepreneurship right there. Right. Mm. Perfect. It makes sense. The result. Sweet and sour pork. Delicious. Lemon chicken. Amazing. Chop suey. Are these not normal Chinese dishes? No. Oh, God. These are Western Chinese dishes, right? So fast forward to now, we do have authentic Chinese now. So we can get, you know, authentic Chinese food is it's more vegetable heavy. So it's not as much proteins like the chicken and the the pork. It's the food's braised. It's stewed. It's not deep fried, you know, like we have – Australian Chinese or American Chinese So basically food. everything that's unhealthy at a yeah, Chinese shop not, is the westernised stuff. Right. right, and the westernised Chinese, it's more, you know, it's heavy sauce based, so it's usually slathered. So it's fried and then it's slathered in some kind of delicious sauce. That's so good. Stop it. And just as a side note, did you know, I learned this today, spring rolls, mm. they're in China, so they are it's authentic being Chinese. served as China, in Chinese restaurants, but apparently they're on the kids' menu. <laughs> I can see that. Okay, right. So all so, these white people in America and Australia just chomping on delicious spring rolls with sweet chili we're sauce ordering on the, side. the kids' menu. Exactly. You just imagine like all the Chinese people that come over for the first time. They must just get the biggest kick out of seeing all these adults chowing down on yes. on children's food. And quite commonly, I imagine they don't recognize some of a lot of the Chinese dishes that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that it, we've gotten to the point where, especially in Australian cities, love them, huge foodie cities, I have to say, places like Melbourne, they're all about the authentic kind of cuisines. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of reversed back on these westernized cuisines and they're kind of frowned upon maybe not frowned upon but looked down on have you ever have you ever had someone be like oh you know what do you want for takeout and and you and you just feel in some honey chicken you know fried dipped in syrup with the sesames on top sesame seeds and you say i want how about some honey chicken and they just look at you like you're the most uneducated, uncultured, uncultured person. bogan person. No, ever I don't seen. think I've ever had that. And I think it's because I don't associate with too much, too many people from the <laughs> upper class. Obviously, I am. I've never once felt shame ordering Chinese food. I think maybe it was my own ignorance that I <laughs> didn't realize I was ordering both off the kids' menu and the Western menu. Just keep living. As you are. I'm living your dream do, right now. Do your I? Thing. I didn't realize you were fe- feeling so much shame uh, well, for all I these years that we've been ordering Chinese. I just Chinese. think that there's a general shift that anything that's not authentic, it's kind of looked as it's bastardized a little bit. Yeah, and, okay. and so, and therefore inferior. And this these, kind of whole idea. It just sounds like that, these people are elitist. I, I, yes. But I think. I think where we need to go, Mm. I think there's a room for us to go somewhere, which is kind of what's happened in America with Mexican cuisine. And like the Tex-Mex restaurants. So they have the Tex-Mex, but they also have 
the authentic, authentic Mexican. Mexican. And they've almost branched, mm. right? It's branched into two separate so cuisines. So if, if we were going to dinner and I was saying, I'm feeling Mexican, your first question would be, what kind of Mexican, yeah. authentic or Tex? Yeah, real Mexican or do you want Tex-Mex? Yeah. Like the burrito with because the Because there's, you know, different options for because both. Because they're completely different, mm. right? And I think that's where we need to go with Chinese. with Chinese. It needs to be, you know, Australian Chinese or American Chinese or Western Chinese or authentic. And they need to be separate mm. and they need to have their own place Potentially in, our, in our palettes. They need a cool name like Tex-Mex. Yes. And the branding is, I think you've hit it on the freaking nail. There needs to be a good branding movement on westernized Chinese food. Yeah. Come on, Western Chinese food. Get your shit together. Do you have any ideas? I don't. <laughs> Can someone please come up with something amazing? And put it forward and then we will broadcast it from the rooftops. And then finally we can have our sweet and sour pork, our lemon chicken, our spring rolls and wait for it, fortune cookies. Oh, fortune cookies. Fortune cookies. Is that Western as well? Of course it is. Oh I God. think fortune cookies, they, they were they were thought up by some Actually, I didn't know American this. It was like an American and, yes. um, person invented fortune of cookies. Of course it is. Um, I think Chinese people after a meal, they usually have fruit. What about prawn crackers? I think that's Westernized as well. So- Essentially, the best parts you about Chinese food prawn is the toast. Western. Prawn toast is definitely Westernized. I, don't, I, I can't imagine them eating prawn toast in China. Probably not. But yeah, so a lot of the yummy things that was just entrepreneurs, Chinese entrepreneurs accommodating Western tastes. So do you think it'd be pretty hard for me to go to China and order sweet and sour pork? Absolutely. I think so. I, I, I feel that is where I'd feel the guilt is when I went to a Chinese restaurant in China and tried to order something Western and saw the look on their faces and watched as they kicked me out of the restaurant. <laughs> I don't think they'd kick. I think they would just say, no, sir. Unfortunately, <laughs> we don't. Have some of these yummy vegetables. I, I'm sitting on the fence. I'm reserving the fence for, the, for this one. Okay. That's disappointing because how... I was really excited about it. You were you were super excited for that. But I uh, do you think any any of it's because you have this Asian heritage and that you feel like spoiler alert for listeners, actually Asian. Uh potentially yes. So you feel like you should be embracing the Yes. The, yeah, okay. So in this in a similar fashion, I remember needing to master chopsticks, you know, before any of my other friends. It, you just I wanna be a true I wanna be a legitimate Asian. Mm. Um, and and a legitimate chicken, Asian doesn't order yeah, honey, honey chicken. chicken and legitimacy. They don't really. I think, I think they're we've not really found married. the bone of your where, where all the guilt comes from. We've we found it. I'd love to hear from any American Asians or Australian Asians and whether they feel the same way as me. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, please let us know what you thought about any of the topics discussed today. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Shooting Breezes um, and Brad and I always love to have our minds changed so please let us know what we got wrong. Um, As always, please share, like, let us know what you think. We love some feedback Um, and we will see you next week. Sounds good. See you guys. Bye.